Well, the 14th Psalm starts with a strong, harsh, controversial word, fools. Fools say in their hearts, there is no God. In the Old Testament, a fool is not just someone with no, without any sense, but the one who is resolutely rejecting the highest wisdom of all, which is the fear and obedience of God. The fool is the one who disregards God, who is convinced God does not matter in life. Fools have closed their minds to God and to all God's instruction, shutting God out of their life. You could say there's a question behind the 14th Psalm. And that question is, where is God? Now, the 13th Psalm had started with, started with a question. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? According to the fools, the answer to the question, where is God, is nowhere. The fools say there is no God. So let's talk a little bit about atheism. The Pew Research for the... Uh, Research Center for the People and the Press is a group that does reputable studies. Their findings show that between 2007 and 2012, the percentage of Americans who say they are atheists went from 1.6% to 2.4%. And they also show that there was a 5% drop in the percentage of people who identify themselves as Christian. From 78 to 73. The percentage who said they believe in nothing in particular went up to almost 14%. Now, just to confuse matters a little bit, 14% of the people who call themselves atheists also say they believe in God or universal spirit. So we might have a little vocabulary problems on here. A quarter of those who self-identified as atheists say they think of themselves as spiritual people. The other curious finding is the percentage of people who say they don't know is four times the percentage of people who say they're agnostic. And you may know that the word agnostic comes from Greek roots that mean don't know. By the way, most of us might think that belief in some kind of God is fundamental to any religion, but there are at least two of the world's major religions, Buddhism and Taoism, whose followers don't worship any God. Now, all the hunters I know, all the ones that come here, are Christians. But that recent debate on North Carolina's ban on hunting on Sunday brought out some of that local hostility to Christianity. For example, one Durham man wrote a letter to the editor of the News and Observer saying this, Americans, especially the younger generation, are increasingly considering themselves secular, spiritual, or non-religious. Perhaps Americans are seeing that following the tenets of a book of fairy tales written by semi-literate desert people is actually quite silly and having listened to someone living off taxpayer money moralizing at them and thinking they know more about God's plan is arrogant. Now I don't know about you but I'm still figuring out trying to figure out how these semi-literate people wrote the 77 books that make up the Bible. 
Well, it's really easy to criticize a book you hadn't read, isn't it? Well, let me tell you about a couple of books that I was aware of, but I hadn't read much of until lately. I brought them with me today. In the last couple of years, two particular books have testified in some of that increase in atheism. First, there was a scientist named Richard Dawkins who wrote a book called The God Delusion. And then a year later, the critic and commentator Christopher Hitchens wrote a book called God Is Not Great. His subtitle tells you more about his opinion. How religion poisons everything. Well, both these men managed to do what publishers like for writers to do. They got a lot of attention and they sold a whole lot of books. And by the way, let me hasten to tell you, the copies I have were bargains from the used bookstore. So you see, I did not give these professional atheists any money. I would say I removed a couple of copies from circulation. <laughs> I'll just hit the highlights here, but if you're curious, uh, don't give them your money. Go to your local library. They tend to carry bestsellers. Well, basically, these authors and their books love science and despise religion. They have faith in science and no faith in God. Loving science is not a problem at all. The problem is they just cannot imagine Christianity being compatible working with science. They see it as a question of either or, or they seem unable to see it as both and. When you became a Christian, when you were baptized, when you joined this church, no one asked you no one told you to put your brain in neutral. No one said ignore science. Not me, not the church, not the Bible. In fact, the 111th Psalm says, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Studying the stars, studying the ocean, studying the human body studying the environment. That is the work of scientists and of Christians. Now the scholar Karen Armstrong, who's also a former nun, in her book, The Case for God, which responded to some of these things, points out that part of the problem with those other books is that these proselytizing atheists present religion as in its absolute worst in order to support their charge that religion has only been evil. They don't just say people in the churches have made mistakes, they say it's evil. Well, and then the other writers failed to mention the concern for justice and compassion has been espoused by Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, the three major religions that believe in God. For just one example, they mentioned the Crusades and all the bad things happened there. They ignore the importance of churches and religious leaders in the civil rights movement, the human rights movement. They also neglect to mention that three of the most murderous leaders of the 20th century, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao, 
All three of them were professing atheists. Well, perhaps you're wondering, now what does the Bible say about atheism? The short answer, not much. According to the uh, seminary professor and Bible commentator I like to read, Jim, Jim Limburg, the Bible does not deal with the question of theoretical atheism, that is, whether or not God exists. The existence of God is an assumption for the biblical writers. The Bible deals more with practical atheism. Practical atheism is a view that another writer summarized as the idea God is useless and ineffective, so why bother? Well, when we started, I said the question that summarizes this Psalm 14 is, where is God? Well, one answer that the psalm gives is, God is in heaven. Well, but that's sort of a mystery to us, and it's a myth to those who do not believe. The fifth verse, though, gives a second answer. God is with the company of the righteous. Or as Jesus put it in the 18th chapter of Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. God with us is a blessing that's talked about throughout the Bible. In the 29th chapter of Genesis, when God appeared to Isaac, he said, do not be afraid, I am with you and will bless you. At least five times in the 39th chapter of Genesis, we are told that the Lord was with Joseph. Remember last week we talked about the call of the prophet Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. And then the 23rd Psalm says, I fear no evil, for you are with me. And then in Jesus Christ, we have Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Psalm 14 contrasts the way of the foolish, who act like there's no God, with the way of the wise. Second verse, we're told, the wise seek after God. Now, the fourth verse names a problem. It says, they have no knowledge. Not knowing God has consequences for people and even for the environment, according to the prophet Hosea. In the fourth chapter of Hosea, we read, there is no faithfulness or loyalty and no knowledge of God in the land, swearing, lying, and murder, and stealing, and adultery break out. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and all who live in it languish together with the, animal, with the wild animals and the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea are perishing. The last verses of Psalm 14 express trust in what the Lord will do. The fifth verse says that God will be with the righteous and those who do evil shall be in great terror. The last verse expresses hope Hope for restoration. And as we talked about in Sunday school today, you've got to have hope. Well, when most of us, most of us grew up believing in God, and believing in God was not controversial. Being a Christian was not dangerous. But now, there are places in the world where being a Christian, attending worship, can get you arrested even executed. 
even in America, our beliefs may not be shared or respected. Much of the world sees things differently than we do. It's so easy to look down on or make fun of or to laugh at people who see things very differently from us. People who disagree, especially with our most basic beliefs. If you don't believe that, try getting a political discussion. <laughs> and I won't even mention Duke and Carolina <laughs> or state. But let me ask you a serious question. If believing in God, if being a Christian, if those were felony, serious crimes, would there be enough hard evidence? Would there be convincing eyewitness testimony? Would a jury of your peers convict you and me? What does your heart say? Thanks be to God. For our benediction, I'm going to borrow a prayer from the Apostle Paul, who wrote, I pray that according to the riches of God's glory, you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or even imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever.